In this episode, we discuss the Teens Take Down the North Korean Army movie, Red Dawn. Welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, Dan McCoy. <laughs> I am Stuart Wellington. Hey, guys. I'm Elliot Kalin. Nice get to out meet of you. Here. No, really, get out of here. <laughs> oh, I gotta go. We're replacing you. Footsteps, footsteps, footsteps. Door slams. Car, plane, <laughs> rocket ship. <laughs> crackle, crackle, crackle. Cellophane. <laughs> cellophane. I guess I should say it's fire. <laughs> cornstarch, cornstarch. It's snowing outside. <laughs> <laughs> it was it. It was in the winter of eighteen twelve that I. Put, wait, what are we doing? This is our this is our old time radio comedy podcast, right? This yeah, is it's called the Flop House. <laughs> What do we do on the flop house, Dan? We talk about Aside a bad from dick around and make up garbage. <laughs> we watch a bad movie directly before the podcast. People ask, "Do you watch the movie directly before the podcast?" We do. Always. We are coming fresh off the movie. Yeah. Yeah. We watched it literally less than eight minutes ago. Not even had time to towel off. Nope, we're still all sweaty from the movie. If we seem crazy or angry, it's because we just watched the movie. And what movie made us angry this night? We watched a little movie called. Red Dawn. Rated, rated, rated R. Actually, rated PG-13. <laughs> Wait, the original Red Dawn? We did not watch the original now, Red I was, Dawn. I was disappointed that this was not the movie where Prairie Dawn from uh, from Sesame Street is a serial killer. You Red Dawn. Me. You lost me. No? Yeah, those. Come on, Red Dawn. That's weirder than the Red Dawnosaurus joke where, <laughs> where, we were talking- where, where communist dinosaurs invade America. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, Joseph Stalinosaurus right. Rex. Well, here's where you lose me. The idea that a dinosaur... Stalinosaurus Rex. The idea that a dinosaur ascribes to any particular ideology... Their brains were the size of a walnut. If they don't uh, work together, how are the Tyrannosauruses going to scratch their back or exactly. brush their teeth? For the greater oh, good of the collective. collective. Yeah, yeah, I get it. All right. There's got to be some kind of a dinosaur that does that for them. The means of production need to be in the tiny hand of the T-Rex. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The two-fingered hand of the T-Rex. <laughs> Whereas, so. <laughs> whereas, like, uh, I don't know, brontosauruses are used for, I don't know, mining a quarry or something? Right, yeah, brontosauruses <laughs> are used for mining a quarry, and then you slide down their backs when it's quitting time. Okay, one, that's from a cartoon, and two, you're both morons, they're called apatosauruses. <laughs> it's true. The brontosaurus was a it's fallacy. A, a it was misnamed... A, no, incorrect speech. Yeah. This has been Elliot's Dorgy Dinosaur <laughs> This has hour. been the Fossil House with me, paleontologist Elliot Kalen, and the and her own dinosaur house Elliot dinosaur. Elliot Kalen, the paleontologist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Save right. My last name is not Palin. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched the movie Red Dawn tonight. Sarah Palin's favorite movie. <laughs> it might be. It's probably that or like Steel Magnolias or like The Hands of Dr. Orloff or some shit. I don't know. Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean, yeah. Yeah. She likes uh, Legend of the Lost Dinosaur. <laughs> she likes Shag. She's a big fan of Shag. She might be a big fan of Shag. Um, and who isn't? It's about a dance or Dag. <laughs> For a second, I thought Dagon you were bringing us back on track there, but no. So Red Dawn, we watched the remake that which came out last year. Yeah. Yep. Sat on the shelf. Sat on the shelf for a little while, partly as a result of a couple different things. Uh, MGM, the production company, or I guess Metro Golden Mayor. <laughs> Just to clarify. Goldwyn Mayor. It's All not right. Golden Mayor. You're so wrong in everything tonight. 
Metro Goldwyn after Samuel Goldwyn and Mayer after Leo G. Mayer. Metro is from Metro Studios. You what, moron. What movie company did I buy stock in? So wait a minute. Uh, you bought stock in Metro Golden Mayer, the sequel to Golden Hotel, Golden Palace, which was the sequel to the Golden Girls. So that's this movie studio that Blanche, Dorothy, Rose, and Sophia opened up to make movies about randy old ladies. Basically a bunch movie, of cocoons. Yeah, the Cocoon 3, the sexifying, and Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. <laughs> All right. So Red Dawn. So this sat Red on the Dawn. sat on the shelf for a while. MGM, the parent company, uh, filed for bankruptcy. It's the movie movie studio with the tiger, right? Or no, lion. <laughs> it's a lion. <laughs> Do you guys know anything about anything? <laughs> it's a podcast that specializes in wrong facts about MGM. I know. I get. I get. I'm a pedant. Spent all their things. money on tiger food, probably. <laughs> That's why they had money troubles. And then their t- lion died because they had a lion and not a tiger. Sure. They eat completely different food. They, their body doesn't absorb nutrients the same way, so it ate all the tiger food and it didn't do any good. Okay, so Red Dawn. Mm-hmm. The parent company filed for bankruptcy after production of this movie, but I think before post-production and before release. Okay, Sat on right. the shelf for a while. It's a movie about an invasion of the United States by a foreign country. Originally, that country was China, uh, but they realized China. China is the... I think second largest film market in the world from Yeah, films. I mean Iron Man 3 famously added extra China China centric scenes to pander to the Chinese audience Dude. or to panda oh, if you will that. to panda to them oh, Stuart. Well they did add that scene where Iron Man panda comes to something. In. Um well, you, you eat, eat a lot of <laughs> And you don't have sex and domesticity <laughs> <laughs> or captivity I yeah. guess. Um yeah. So, yeah, because it's not like they're keeping pandas in their house and shit. <laughs> the panda has settled down; it doesn't get out as much as it used to. You know, just yeah, that's the thing. Panda, pandas are married for a while. Their sex life dies off. They've let themselves go. They're already fat bears. <laughs> they get the, morbidly abused. Bears make fun of them. Yeah. Let's be honest; they're already the least sexy of bears. <laughs> they have neither the robust buxomness of the grizzly nor nor. The spelt naughtiness of the of the black bear. Yeah, and once you go course, black bear, and of course polar bears are just fucking. Thanks. They'll do anything. Yeah, polar oh, yeah. bears. You just know the sluts of the animal kingdom. <laughs> They're just open to whatever. Mm-hmm. So red, as you may have noticed, audience, we don't have Red Dawn made very little impression on us. It is Red Dawn drove us mad. So originally it was China who were the villains, but realizing that China is They're a too huge, busy with their pandas. <laughs> That's what Stuart took away from it. In post-production, they actually changed the movie so that it was about North Korea invading America, which mm-hmm. is stupid for two reasons. <laughs> stupid and racist. Well, <laughs> racist that you can just swap out Chinese people, that you can just you can dub in North yeah. Korea, uh, dub just in Korean, and change the CGI flags. <laughs> it, well, the underlying assumption is one: all Asians look alike. Mm-hmm. And which we do all the time anyway in our movies. Like we have Japanese and Chinese actors playing Asian of all types. Yeah, like Joel Grey in uh, that that uh, that movie. That, uh, well, that's Yellow Face. That's okay. a different thing. That's the James Bond villain. But you no, know, that's, I, mean, I mean, for years you had white actors playing Asian characters, and it was very offensive. But now it's just like we've made the step in progress that at least we have the right continent yeah. that the actors are from. But uh, they this what's stupid about it is that also is that, and this is a point that's been made before. North Korea 
And I'll boy, will I have egg on my face if North Korea invades and conquers the U.S. before this episode goes out. <laughs> but it is very unlikely that North Korea, a country with... When, when that, America's using the flop house as the voice of resistance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A very small com- com- a very small country, country that with, has been isolated globally. It has one main supporter, which is China, that it's dependent on, and it has no food for a lot of the people in it. Throughout the 90s, it went through massive starvation and hasn't totally recovered from that. So, like, the idea that it... Literally <laughs> launches a huge attack, a huge air invasion with paratroopers, and immediately cripples and takes over the country is astounding. Also, somehow, somehow, like within like I, it seems like days or a day of invading, they have tanks on the ground in the U.S. Like apparently they they have crippled, uh, they've they've had this blackout. They've crippled us with paratroopers, and then they uh, have like. They speedboated these tanks across the ocean. And yet, all you see as a result, we should go back to the beginning of the movie, but all yeah. you see as the result mainly of the North Korean occupation is a lot of roadblocks. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of posters that they've put up. So, <laughs> yeah, that's what they put in It's their a poster based war. So, when, I mean, North Korea is a poster based society to a certain extent, but it's like North Korea invaded and conquered America and then it like really wanted to promote its band. <laughs> so, it just plastered posters all over the walls. Oh, come out. There's also free beer for an hour. Well, 50. 15 minutes but also <laughs> that's uh, how you trick them into leaving their houses yeah. then you round them up and stick them in shipping containers for the, the re-education the most passive aggressive re-education camp ever sure. uh but we'll get to that I'll, the reason i'll say that is because there's a big billboard in the re-education camp that says you deserve to be here <laughs> which is such a it's like what your mom would put up the re-education camp. Like, they need a billboard that says think about what you did yeah. do you really think you need to eat that that's that's another poster. You're going to ruin your appetite, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we open up, we're in Spokane, Washington, and mm-hmm. we're introduced to the Eckert Bustling family. metropolis. Bustling small city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're introduced to the Eckert family. That's Chris Hemsworth as Eckert guy number one. Mm-hmm. I don't Jed. remember. And Jed Eckert, who just came back from the war Iraq. from Iraq. <clears throat> and Aaron Eckert is Two-Face. <laughs> <laughs> nope. His, his younger brother... He's playing two characters. His younger brother, who is a football star at the high school, and yeah. their dad, who is the sheriff, played by an actor who looks like Chris Cooper, he's but is not. He's playing Chris Cooper, playing this character. <laughs> he's, a, he's a character... He's a actor you may remember from uh, The Dark Knight Rises as the senator. Bane. Senator Bane. <laughs> no, senator Bane, yeah. No, he was not a senator. I don't think you understood you that movie. You remember that part where Bane was elected <laughs> to the Senate? And then he spent all his time with fundraisers. <laughs> it's so hard to work within the system. <laughs> I couldn't say Bane. Batman, what we need is a comprehensive filibuster reform. I actually don't know that they're going to be able to hear us when we're covering our mouths in front of a microphone. But we were doing Bane as a senator. Anyway. <laughs> I rise in protest, Batman, to this vote. Anyway, and so forth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good good comedy move. My name you is, can imagine other jokes. You get it. Write some yourself. <laughs> Play along at home. Call Batman and ask him why he hasn't provided the funds. I'm Bane and I approve this message. <laughs> Children of the night. <laughs> he should have been a vampire. Anyway, so we're introduced to these characters at a football game, high school football game. Uh, the younger brother or the team the Wolverines the team the Wolverines the younger brother has a girlfriend one of their friends has a video podcast (laughs) and another friend is black and that is the extent of the characterization for the movie for Mm -hmm. the most part and uh, there's a lady who's Tyra Collette from Friday Night Lights. Who is... Can't get away from football. Yeah, I know. And she is a 
friend of theirs? She's a waitress. I don't want to pull an in time. How basically imagine the beginning of Battleship, but without a burrito. Yeah. <laughs> there was a point they're all, where they're all hanging out at a bar, and we and Stuart and I looked at each other. And we both were like, "Is this Battleship? Did they trick <laughs> us into watching Battleship again?" Yeah. And yet, without the best scene when John Carter goes in and steals a burrito from a store. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I don't remember. Yeah, when John, John Carter, Carter does that, well, he jumps really high through the window, right? Yeah, sure. And steals the burrito from Tars Tarkis. <laughs> his, his fucking, his fucking. He's used to Earth's gravity, so he can steal burritos really well. <laughs> his, our yellow sun gives him burrito stealing <laughs> yeah, powers. Anyway, exactly. they're at a bar hanging out after the game that they lost, and mm-hmm. the power goes out. There's been a blackout. Oh, that's weird. Uh oh. But they don't really. It doesn't affect them that much. But until the next morning, when North Korean troops are literally just falling out of the sky. I mean, they're parachuting down. It's not like... (laughs) 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 That would be a very ineffective invasion. It's not like the beginning of the happening when those guys are just falling off (laughs) the construction site. They shot a bunch of human cannonballs. (laughs) (laughs) We couldn't afford parachutes. So hopefully some of you will make it. (laughs) The the first wave of you will break the other people's fall. (laughs) We'll get a pile of three or four dead guys, and that'll serve as a cushion for the next guys who finally pull the invasion off. It's Clyde Barker's in the hills, the cities. Uh, so it's like the one big, uh, it's the one big, it's the one big effect shot in the movie is this CGI guys like parachuting Just, down and then planes yeah. crashing. And, uh, and that was the shot that was in all the trailers. Yeah. Leading you to believe that, oh, the whole movie's going to be filled awesome. with awesome huge effect stuff. But there's very few. Actually, one of the things that I, I would say I liked about it if I liked the movie at all, which I didn't, is that <laughs> there is a, it, there isn't that much CGI in the movie. Which Terrible. is nice. That's there's, the thing. You got computers, use them, man. There's a scene. Have the Koreans already invaded and stole our own computers. <laughs> the movie opens with a montage of some real news footage, some fake news footage of America's economy is collapsing. We're sending troops everywhere. Russia invades Georgia, and North Korea is amping up. And there's literally a CGI shot of a CGI North Korean flag being raised up a flagpole <laughs> with other Asian flags. And it's like. Come on, seriously, it was cheaper to do that than to just shoot a flag being raised on a flagpole? Come on, people. But uh, So there's this big CGI army of paratroopers falling down. America is instantly crippled, but our teen heroes, I call them the Kid Commandos, uh, <laughs> led by Chris Hemsworth and his family and a bunch of their buddies. Yeah, you may know Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Thor. Or as the hunter, uh, the huntsman mm-hmm. from Snowy and the Huntsman, or, or the cabin, cabin from the Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> he did not play the Cabin. He played John Cabin <laughs> with his partner, Dirk Woods. <laughs> and they have sex at one point. That's why it's the Cabin in the Woods. Wow. But he's also a Christ figure, thus the JC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't uh, think you get it yet. <laughs> All right, wait, hold on. Let's go. So anyway, what <laughs> we'll I'm recommending tonight is the gay porn cop film, <laughs> Christ Allegory, Cabin in the Woods. He also cures someone's urinary tract infection at one point <laughs> by turning it into bees. <laughs> what? That would make it so much worse. <laughs> Stuart knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> No, yeah, he's right, Elliot. Just listen to him. Is this because I did what? Because I'm Jewish. I don't understand. I missed this story of Christ when he has a a urinary tract infection by putting bees in someone's. There's a fire. There's a fire. There's a fire burning inside you, and it's the Green Mile. Oh, I see. He turned yeah. it into locusts. Yeah, that's what it was. And but you made it sound like he said, like, boom, the infection in you, inside you is now bees. <laughs> no, you're no, welcome. Another... Pay, pay the receptionist on your way out. 
one, these are bees inside me, and two, I didn't realize I had to pay for the service. The bees are stinging my urethra. And Nicolas Cage is like, giving me a UTI won't bring back your stupid bees. <laughs> okay. Oh, there's right. so many so, crossovers okay, in this I'll, I'll guys later. <laughs> So the kids escape in a car chase, and the North Koreans are hapless to catch them. Which, I mean, most of the chases them just driving away. That's true. Over they get bumps. away pretty early, and then they're just driving over bumps. But it's shot as if they're in trouble. And there's one North Korean guy who you see a close up of, so you know he's like the leader of the bad guys. Yeah, I don't know boss. that he ever gets a, re- a full name, character, personality. He is just the single North Korean face of the evil that we are being taken over by. Right. And this evil is expressed mainly He is by... the yellow menace in this film. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure that his, it's like General Cho or something, because we made that, John, like, it's John Cho from, you know... Oh, yeah, yeah. Star Trek joke. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe they call him that. That classic joke. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. uh... Just doing some riffs, yeah. riffing on names. That's Harold. That's us. Check it out. Yeah. Anyway, I'm back. <laughs> I left for a minute. <laughs> I think it wasn't you want to I, yourself. I didn't get up, but my spirit left my body, and now it just returned. So they go to a cabin. They hole up in the cabin for a night, and there's an they find some again. Guns. Chris Hemsworth should know better than to go in a cabin. He's already in the woods. been in a cabin in the woods. <laughs> yeah. He's already been a huntsman. He knows woods are dangerous, yeah. and he's already been Thor. Just hit the North Koreans with your hammer, dude. Yeah, F- fucking done. But uh, <laughs> actually, I don't know how many of those movies he had made when he shot this, since this the release yeah. was delayed for a while. Well, that, I feel that's like the story of his career because uh, Cabin in the Woods, you know, sat around for a long time too. A much better movie, obviously. I but, didn't realize that. Yeah. <clears throat> so Chris Hemsworth was uh, destined for stardom uh, five years ago. <laughs> I mean, he now he's now Thor. He's in the, yeah, yeah, no, he's, no, he's a, a big shot. Star. Everyone's favorite Marvel movie, mm-hmm. Thor. <laughs> well, no, but I, like, you and I uh, were talking about like uh, we both agree that he was probably the best thing in that Snow White and the Huntsman movie. Oh, by far. But that's. He was the only one with any personality. In that yeah. What about Kristen Stewart? She was great. <laughs> Kristen uh, Stewart. <laughs> Kristen Stewart. Another Christ allegory. <laughs> <laughs> no, she is terrible. Uh, First weird, off, gorgeous. What's weird? Chris, Beautiful. Snow White and the Huntsman. Yeah, the does, in the land. does play to Kristen Stewart's strength in that she seems to be floating through the movie in a coma the entire time, <laughs> confused, confused, and just kind of like vaguely sleepwalking and not saying much and just looking. And with her like strange, she's like emaciated figure and weird ear shape. Uh, wow! Scene. Really goes really judgy. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> the movie making her wet most of the time really plays to her strengths. Whoa. Okay, oh, no. Red Dawn. Let's just go through. There's not a lot of plot in Red Dawn. <laughs> uh, Fred, they, there's an argument between Chris Hemsworth and one of their buddies, and he runs off, tips off the North Koreans to where these kids are hanging out. Mm-hmm. North Koreans come by with their dads, and the sheriff. Not the North Korean dad. The kids. <laughs> hey, do you want to embarrass us in front of our dads? It's take your father to war day. Having honor in front of your parents is a big thing in our culture. So just let us conquer you, okay? We're really embarrassed. Take your dad to war day. Because take your dad to work day is the thing. Yep. When you take your retired dad to your office. When you take your dad, your I, did like, this. I did this for 65 years. And your dad's like, just let me die. I should be at work right now. Why am I Missing a day of work to sit here and watch you. Well, let me get you some coloring books. No, I don't want that. Uh, Is there there a recliner I can nap in, possibly, somewhere? To put it in word, anywho, uh, their dad, not Chris Cooper, says... He, there's he They want him to say, come out, surrender, and he says, I want you to do what I would have done. Fight back. 
and yeah. kill this son of a, you know, this piece of shit or something like that. And they shoot not Christopher. And this Brennan is the, this is the scene that everyone remembers from the act, the original yeah. Red Dawn when Harry Dean Stanton gets killed. Uh, but it's more exciting because he's actually in like an internment camp at the time. Like he's like clinging to the the fence. If yeah, I here recall, they're just in like a field in fr- not, they're just in the front yard of a of a house. Yeah, it's not even really. A cabin, we haven't really a house. seen them kill that many people at this point. No. That's the thing. It's an incredibly bloodless victory. They've killed on. Well, that's you know, to the North Koreans' credit, guys. Yeah, yeah give them true. that. They're human conquerors. You know what? The the train's finally running on time. Yeah, you know, maybe subway's packed. Subway sandwich. Wolverines are really the villains of this. So the kids, the kids decide to go into hiding, and they become a terrorist paramilitary group called the Wolverines. Mm-hmm. Chris, after their so they train by jumping off of cliffs. They train mainly by jumping off of cliffs and pointing water guns at each other, and then they. It's a relatively boring montage of them doing stuff. They don't even have an '80s pop power song behind the training montage, and then they get guns and and money from like what they refer to as like friends. Yeah, like and they pull off instantly like a series of of incredibly successful insurgent attacks yeah. on the on the North Koreans. The North Koreans are caught flat-footed literally every time for the most part and it's literally just a bunch of like six or seven kids shooting the hell out of these soldiers and it gets to a point where I'm almost kind of feeling bad for the North Koreans because <laughs> they're to- totally outclassed by these high school students. But also Stuart you pointed this out that in addition to like being like like the weird thing about this movie it is is that it's uh, uh, both a militia person's fantasy, but also like like a pro terrorism film, like yeah. a, like a totally like oh let's root for the insurgents. Uh, yeah, it's a great idea. Teach terrorists they can put bombs under skateboards, <laughs> then they'll just blow up all these checkpoints with them. Yeah, and like it was saying, so the way that there's three ways that the North Korean occupation uh, displays itself. One is checkpoints at every street corner. It looks like. The mm-hmm. second is they give a lot of speeches through megaphones. What are they checking to make sure they're not Wolverines? You know, I guess so. They're making sure that your pants aren't and... sagging. Or... How did... <laughs> That's really big. No crack can show in North Korea. Yeah. And the third way is they have an internment camp that's like just barbed wire around a bunch of shipping containers, and people just hang around in orange jumpsuits. They don't seem to do anything. But and that's where they, they have a big billboard that says, there. you deserve to be here. <laughs> and yeah, and Think so about what you're one of the, guy, the football players girlfriend is thrown in this internment camp we don't know why what did she do we don't find out she has non-regulation eyebrows probably <laughs> she does have very bushy eyebrows yeah. but uh for a woman that skinny and that blonde her eyebrows are oversized very dark eventually they try to sabotage a speech that would kill the main commander you're talking you're talking about something that happens after a daring daylight raid on a sub- subway sandwich shop <laughs> i thought this was before the subway sandwich shop no, raid. This is, this oh, is, I'm, oh well, i'm sorry as one of they the, steal a bucket full of every kind of soda <laughs> one of the after, during one of the a suicide dozens, bucket of soda one of the dozens of flawlessly executed amateur terrorist attacks the uh, or sorry, patriotic insurgent rise them ups. They go. Like, they stop into a subway sandwich. Well, two shop. of them like just find themselves holing up That's in true. a subway they sandwich. They run away from the soldiers and they end up in a subway sandwich shop. They immediately demand bread and sandwiches from the guy at the subway counter. Sandwiches. Yeah, like, subway sandwiches, tuna chicken, and uh, then, give us a bucket to put soda in. Even though that's... say that you just see one of them take a bucket and put it up against the soda dispenser. Yeah, that's probably the mop that bucket. bucket. <laughs> like, yeah, so that like five or six different sodas are all pouring into this bucket. So yeah, this is obviously they should have cut you like all of the Wolverines with straws into the <laughs> one the bucket. bucket. Well, I imagined him trying to drink out of the one bucket and just spills all over him. Oh, yes. oh man, my sodas. <laughs> this is my only shirt. But I love it's. But this is the the fact that they will drink. 
a big mop bucket full of soda, mixed up soda, <laughs> is the only sense we get that they are suffering at hardship. all during this. That they have any hardship. They live in an abandoned mine shaft. And they're so clean. Their clothes are so well ironed. They have beautiful skin and hair. Yeah. One, one of them's after, wearing a kicky scarf around. It's a, yeah. It's it's after they finish their amazing meal of subway sandwiches and bucket soda. They're having this conversation about it's called boda. They're having this conversation about like all the things they miss, and they're all looking around. They all look like they just took a shower. They're all well shaved. They look like they're getting ready you know, for. The cool they look like they're waiting for the Abercrombie photo shoot to start. Yeah. In this abandoned mine shaft. They, they, like they didn't run out of hair gel yet. They're good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nothing. They run through a thrift store at one point, and the thrift store woman's like, here, take a bunch of clothes and have yeah. a gun. They, you know, they are having a, doing a great job living off the land. Yeah, there are some blessed terrorists. I'll and, tell you what. And there was something really adorable in Dan when... <laughs> They ran into the thrift shop, and Dan went, ooh. <laughs> As if he was going to get to visit the thrift shop and maybe buy some old albums. It was more interesting than anything else I'd seen on screen up until that point. It's like, oh, look, they've got a whole rack of like CDs up there. I wonder what they got there. I get those for two bucks, probably. Sure. Let's take a that's trip. A, that's an entire afternoon's worth of organizing your CDs after that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they have a bunch of successful raids, but then they have a big... They're trying to blow up a big speech, and they mess up. They get caught, and because the younger brother uh, breaks ranks, just yeah, to rescue his girlfriend her and rescues her. But at, by doing so, one of their number is killed. His name I don't remember. I remember he's Latino, and that's about it. They don't give him much personality beyond that. He is the first of the casualties the Wolverines will face. Ultimately, up to three, three? I yeah. think, die. Uh, and one of them sat, is left at the end, but we'll get to that. Anyway, that gets screwed up, and they go back to their hideout. Yeah. Their hideout gets attacked by the Koreans. They find a there's they run into a bunch of former Marines oh, yeah. who are on on the run, trying to catch up with this legendary group, the Wolverines. Including what's his face? Who is it? Including the comedian from Watchmen. Yeah, McDreamy. Yep. Uh, McSteen. No, no, he was McSteen. not. No, he played Denny. Denny from Grey's Anatomy. Denny but McSteamy. What was his name? Which one was McSteamy? Though? I don't. McSteamy Jeffrey was. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, that's him. That was McSteamy. Je- no, that was my... not McSteamy. So who was McSteamy? He was, uh. I have the fucking, like, the guy who was Chris O'Donnell. I think Chris O'Donnell was McSteamy. I think you're making that I don't McDreamy think so. was Patrick he Dempsey. He was on the CSI. I know who then... McDreamy is. Alright. Okay? You don't get to a podcast without knowing who McDreamy Wait, is. Guys, guys, who was McCreamy? <laughs> That's an ice cream cake from Carvel. <laughs> Whoever he is, he sounds delicious. <laughs> but he's going to go straight to my thighs. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we got to talk about Dan. <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about firing Dan. And I say that being about to make this joke, my favorite character is McScreamy. <laughs> Gripkeeper loves Grey's Anatomy, or as he calls it, Grey's Anatomy, because it's Wait, still a scary thing. Yeah, like it's okay. a book about corpses yeah, and stuff. Sure. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan showed up. Yeah, who looks the, like the comedian though? Happy R. Bardem. Wait, Happy R. Bardem and Robert Downey Jr. had uh, like a little and I a say, baby. No, I say if Robert Downey Jr. and MC Gainey had a baby, that is yeah, so much he's cooler. MC Dreamy or whatever. MC Dreamy. <laughs> no, Steamy. MC Steamy. MC Downey. MC Scat Steamy. <laughs> sure. And, we uh, can all agree on that. Sings opposites of steam. <laughs> uh, so they meet up with these uh, 
<laughs> Elliot's what? distracted by his phone. Sorry, for my a second. wife texted me for a second, but just to tell me that uh, a character from The Wire was on Veronica Mars <laughs> <laughs> in the episode she's watching. No, right that's now. worth that's worth the break. Wait, really? Uh, pause that. <laughs> so they meet up with these Marines, who then say, "Okay, we are here to help you, Wolverines. We have a mission." They've been communicate. The North Koreans are communicating with these green radio cases. Yeah, yeah. We, we <laughs> like the Marines show up and they're like, "We have a MacGuffin for you." <laughs> it's we. Have, there's 30 minutes left in the this movie. This movie has been lacking focus. <laughs> we finally have a thing for you to do after the nonstop nonsense of just and let look. We've gapped like an hour of action scenes, which sounds exciting, but is not. Mm-mm. It's so. Low stakes and not exciting, yeah. and the only thing I like. If everything about it, is action, nothing is action. Thank you. And in actions, outlawed only Except outlaws the- will have action. <laughs> and if action Jackson, then Jackson is action. And I action, therefore no, I am. Your, your math works. <laughs> yeah. that's the trans. That's the actionative property. That's the action Jackson transitive property. <laughs> Uh, um, so they say we got. And they've go- been super successful at this point. They they've don't been incredibly need a successful. bunch of military trained snipers following them around, killing any possible bad guy who might kill them. But if anything, the snipers are worse for them. Oh, of course, they're terrible. They're to end. So they go on. They're this not mi- kids. Kids no adults drool, man. <laughs> yeah. They should have called this movie "Warfare No Adults." Now that's an. <laughs> now that's an equation I can get behind. <laughs> It's <laughs> not an equation. There's sure, no kids math. equals rule slash adults okay. equals we rule. We start our line of uh, novelty folders that we sell to kids. We'll wait outside of schools and we'll sell that shit. That will be creepy. You guys just waiting outside of schools, staying to kids. No, wanna, Dan, wanna, I'll wear a trench coat. Buy we'll keep all the folders in. <laughs> yeah. and we'll sell them all the trench coat. And you'll be videotaping the whole thing for your commercials. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> the folders will be strapped to my boxer shorts so I can keep my hands free for my presentation. And you'll just drive over there in your windowless van. <laughs> it sounds with, great. With kid stuff on written <laughs> On the S- outside, <laughs> at least one of the S's. Wait, there's only one S, but that one S is backwards. It's got to be backwards and written like it's in crayon. What font is that, Dan? What font? Uh, it's, it's, font. <laughs> it's it's called Kids Ur Us. <laughs> it's Ur Us. Like you forgot the name of the store halfway like, through. Like you are. No, Ur, Ur is how you pronounce the backwards R. It's like how like like, how, like a schwa. You know. Anyway, so they go on this mission to get this radio box. Everything gets screwed up. More people die, and one of their friends gets, it seems, stabbed, but really they put a tracer under him. Uh, So when they go back to their hideout after a successful mission in which they kill everybody, basically. (laughs) Crack some brews, slap some They're cracking brews and slapping (laughs) booze? I don't know. Maybe, I guess. That'd be weird. Um, They, They... are attacked again. That's the one moment where the two brothers who have been feuding this whole They've time, been at each the other's brother throats all the time. Admits, They've been a feuding and a fussing. <laughs> he, they stop all that, and they become, uh, I guess, friends? Or they, He says, I may not like you, but damn it, I respect you. Yeah. Actually, he doesn't say that, but <laughs> he should. There's a slow clap, and he walks out mm-hmm. of the room, and then, spoiler alert, close mm-hmm. your ears real quick. And then quick, don't you, you forget about out. me, please. <laughs> <laughs> And then he gets shot and killed. Chris Hemsworth gets shot in the head right after he reconciles with his brother. Uh-oh. But he dies with a smile on his face. And they've been attacked by Russian agents who have been working with the North Koreans. This yep. is that a plot right. complication that is unnecessary and makes no sense. Uh, yeah. But they're fighting again. The Wolverines narrowly escape with some of the Marine guys. And then they... 
something. Just what happened? Keep, I can't. Just keep doing just Wolverine keep, stuff. Like, that's it. Just they, keep doing what they're doing, the man. The younger brother gives a speech to a bunch of uh, possible Wolverines, the same speech that his brother gave to them earlier, and it ends yeah, with an assault. Yeah, so Rico's Roughnecks. And it ends with an <laughs> assault on the yeah. re-education internment facility with the implication that everything's going to be okay now. Yeah, eventually. Like the war has just started. But I think they're going to win. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna stamp out this North Korean menace. And now one thing that Dan didn't like about this movie is people are constantly jumping from high heights and not hurting their <laughs> legs true. or knees. And there's Look. a lot of guys who shoot other guys in the knees. I mean, <laughs> They're jumping on. way far across giant buildings like with huge gaps. And, oh, we their knees are... Mo- we're, we we're, moguls. We're, we're supposed to believe their knees are magically going to be okay? What kind of... What, 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 I mean... I mean, what, what, kind of, what kind of legs? I mean, would, I mean, how am I supposed to buy this movie I mean, about a North Korean invasion of Spokane, Washington, fought off by a bunch got, of rowdy kids? With magic knees? I mean, come on. I mean, Everything up until then, I buy. It should be called the Magic Knees Squad. I don't know. It should be called Red, Me- Red Knees, because their knees are going to be sore after all yeah. that jumping. Let me tell you, their knees are going to be was, sore and swollen. That was why in the training montage, they're doing all that jumping off of jumping off a hill. Dangerous. Jumping off a they do. They do Do not do that jumping. at all. But this movie is so dumb. so dumb and so dull, and it is nonstop action in such a dull way, and there's so many explosions, and there's so many gunshots, and yet it is so boring somehow. And it's, you know, I want it, and it's such, it would be cliche of me to say, like, it's because we don't care about the characters, and there's no emotional stakes. But we don't care about the characters. But we don't. Like, it come, a lot of it yeah. comes down to that. They cut out... Everything that they cut out was character development. They cut out, as we were talking during the movie, any sense of what it's like to live in occupied uh, Spokane. Like well, we don't what's see in the rest of like yeah. The, what's you never find out was the Ar- American army ever there? Like it's kind of implied in the beginning that the American army is overstretched overseas, but you never see you know nothing happens it's just the paratroopers fall out of the sky and then the next minute the north koreans have control of spokane and tanks and everywhere and there's nobody left to fight except these kids and there's one moment where the where the marines say to them oh well there's still enough true americans around who are able to fight over there in the southwest and along the mexico texas border and uh, michigan and montana and so yeah militiaville but basically all the militia states but it's like so what happened to the police? Like in Spokane, there seems to be one policeman, and it's yeah. their dad, and he gets shot in the head. Like there's no sense of any. It's almost like the movie Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, where there's no policeman basically in the whole movie. So Henry is just free to kill at whim. Except here, it's North Korea that's free. I to mean, kill I would at not whim. have minded if there was a limited point I of view. I wouldn't have minded if Michael Rooker played the <laughs> sure. entire country. Of if, North I wouldn't Korea. mind if Michael Rooker played every character. If America was invaded by an army of Michael Rookers, <laughs> I would think it was great. Yeah, but like I, I don't mind. On limited point of view like if if you know we see what only the characters in this town know that's fine but that's still like the movie still cuts out like the viewpoint of anyone who's not in the wolverines like fighting for their like insurgent force and it, and we have no like sense of what like the koreans are up to yeah, like we don't know a, why they're doing it we don't know what they're doing we don't know what it's like to live there but even like what's um, among the most successful movies with limited points of view, I would say, is maybe the most successful movie is Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. You have those characters in that house. They see stuff on TV, but otherwise it's just what's happening around them. And you get such a great sense of their place in the world and what they're going through, and it's so tense and dramatic without 
you know, a shot to a it, it never cuts to the president being like, what's with all these zombies? Uh, we can't handle it, to you give, know. To give a but more, they can't do that here. To give a more recent example, I would say Children of Men is, a, is yeah. an example. Yeah, Children of Men does a great job of it, too. To make it claustrophobic and actually play up the insanity of actual violence as opposed to dudes just fucking Yosemite salmon all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and also giving you a sense that these characters are lost in a world where they don't know everything that's going on around them. Trapped in a world they never made. Trapped in a world they never made. But you get the sense that there is something going on in the world I'm, around them, even I mean, if they, you don't know what it is. They made a pretty sick fort in that, in that abandoned mine shaft. That's true. They didn't, though. They cleared out all the My Bloody Valentines. Got yeah. rid of them. <laughs> Got rid of them. Anytime, please, if you're going to go into an abandoned mine shaft, please check for My Bloody Valentines first. <laughs> there, but it's Get them out of there. This feel, you know, We've said this before, that it feels like they took the outline for a movie and then shot it as if it was a script. But that's what this kind of feels like, is it feels like one of those Robert Rodriguez scripts you hear about where he just puts in the action sequences and, like, <laughs> vague descriptions of scenes, and it's, like, a 45, 50-page script for a whole movie. Mm-hmm. But he knows how to flesh it out that's to some extent. Lot, right. No, it's not a lot at all. But here, they just didn't... There's not, there's not a lot of movie here. There's a lot of stunt scenes. Yeah, but what, not a lot of movies. So let's let's flash forward to uh, Final Judgment very quickly. Robots and North Koreans. <laughs> oh no! Very quickly. Wolverines lost. <laughs> Wolverines forever. Is this a good bad movie? A bad bad movie? A movie you kind of like? Stuart, what do you say? This is a bad bad movie, Dan. Uh, yeah, this is a bad bad movie. <laughs> despite having actors I like in it, like Chris Hemsworth, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and that guy looks like Chris Cooper. It was boring. It was boring. When the most exciting moment for me in the whole movie was during the end credits when someone in the credits was named Julie K. Smith. And I thought, wait a minute. Is that the actress in all those Jim Wynarski movies? I better look this up. Is that up. the frequently topless Julie K. Smith? <laughs> that was when that was the most exciting part of the movie. It's a boring movie. Is, so I'll is, say bad, bad also. Is she moonlighting? She was, yeah, while she was doing, what was that, sound design? I think uh, it was. I think it was assistant set direction or something. Yeah, yeah. While she was set directing, she might have been topless. Oh, had possibly. to have been. <laughs> topless and possibly bottomless. We don't know. You <laughs> know, she may have set to set decorated from a bubble bath the whole time. Who knows? Uh, two other women in it. But uh, I will say this: even if you are a big militia nut looking for some militia porn and some right wing gun survivalist fantasy porn just go to the original man just get the original red dawn get something that has the crazy craft stamp of john milius and not this kind of like gun for hire stuff uh Stuart, it looks like you've got a little something to say hey guys i just want to touch on for a second uh i just want to mention our friends over at tivo uh we we here at the Flophouse make a lot of use out of DVR technology and interne- uh, using the internet for movies. I don't know about you. I've multiple times tried to record stuff at home and had difficulty because I'm already recording something or already watching something. Well, the great thing about TiVo is you can watch a lot. Of, uh, it has four tuners, so you can record multiple things while watching on your iPad, your iPhone. You could be, I don't know, at work watching stuff while you're in the bathroom. Who knows? Yeah, I'm Let's like, say it's Sunday, the night when every television show is on, yeah. apparently. you got Time Warner Cable. At best, you can record two things. Two. If you were like like me, Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown, Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Bob's Burgers, etc., you got to pick and choose because they're yeah. going to overlap and cancel each other out. You can't do it. But not with your T-I-V-O. But with TiVo, you can do Unlike it. Time Warner. Yeah. Yeah. And if you like movies, you don't have to worry about, say, Time Warner TiVo. Or DVR, rather. Time Warner DVR. Sorry, only TiVo is TiVo. Uh, where you record, like, two movies and your box is full. Yeah, because TiVo's got way more space. Yes. They can, 
on with the, a normal DVR box, you can only record a couple of high HD uh, HD shows before it's all full. TiVo gives you access to things like Hulu, Netflix, things that other uh, that other services don't provide. You don't have to buy an Xbox just to be able to watch Netflix nowadays on your TV. Uh, Stuart, isn't there a special promotion that TiVo is there running? There is a special promotion that TiVo is doing right now. I'd love to hear about that. <laughs> Visitors to TiVo.com can get $25 off a new TiVo Premier unit, a P4, or an XLR DVR when they use a, the special promo code. Wait, get a pen and paper, write this get down. Get pen on. and paper. Hold on, hold on. Get it, get it. Do you have a pen and paper? Write it down. Okay, okay. now write it down. Well, he hasn't said it yet. You can't write the it down. The promo code is ATC. Now you write it down. I need to write that down. It's so easy to remember because that's all things comedy. Oh, that's great. So the letters ATC, capitals, Preferably. I don't or, know if it's case sensitive. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, and that's available till November 1st. So and get where out do you, there. Where, and what website would that be at? That would be at TiVo.com. What website was that? TiVo. Period. Com. It's so easy to remember because it's the name of the company with .com at the end. Yeah. And, you, and it gives you $25 off. It's not TV. It's not TiVo.edu. TiVo's educational website. <laughs> yeah. TiVo.com. Or... TiVo.xxx, which the less said the better. TiVo.com. And also, All Things Comedy, that's a podcast network, is it not? Yes, our friends over at All Things Comedy for some reason endorse us because we're part of it. (laughs) (laughs) Good thinking. So So head over to allthingscomedy.com, download a couple of podcasts, maybe ours, but I think you might have already done that. And then go to TiVo.com. To get a TiVo. Yeah, or at least a discount on that TiVo. So, guys, with the promo code ATC, this is the point of the podcast where uh, things got sexy all of a sudden. <laughs> where we answer letters, letters from listeners. What kind of letters? letters? Letters from listeners. Oh God! What kind of letters? Letters from listeners. Maybe they've got a question. Maybe they need advice. Maybe it's trouble, or maybe it's mice. Whatever <laughs> you need, why. just drop us a line. Mice hey, don't would... worry, we've got the time for your letters. What kind of letters? They're letters from you. Oh. So this letter, <clears throat> it's from Steve, uh, a.k.a. James, last name withheld. That will oh, make sense. Steve, yeah, I remember that guy. That will make sense in a second. He says, It's been nearly two years since I last wrote in with a story about Stuart Wellington nearly remembering my name at the first 92Y <laughs> Tribeca show. That was hilarious. Some, I believe that was the show when legendarily Dan's Pizza was forgotten. <laughs> sometimes, in my most private moments, I still sometimes think of myself as Steve. I must admit, I've been remiss in my Flophouse fandom, as in the intervening two years I've left Brooklyn for the windy city of Chicago, now happily settled into a new job as a photographer at a woman's fashion company. Whoa, it's like sounds, a sitcom. Sounds terrible. Yeah. I decided to... <laughs> I decided to load up the recent Alex Cross episode to see if the magic had continued in my absence. Surrounded by fashionable female stylists working diligently at their, te- at their desk, I prepared myself to enjoy Dan's pleasing baritone, Elliot's barrage of facts, yep. and Stuart's repeated interjections about ding-dongs <laughs> through the privacy of my headphones. I believe it was when Dan clarified that Krang's penis was actually <laughs> ejaculating on the girl's feet. Versus his robot penis, which is simply urinating. Why why remember that? (laughs) That I had to beat a hasty retreat to the bathroom so as to laugh. (laughs) (laughs) So as to laugh desperately into a paper towel. (laughs) Under 
no circumstances could I allow my coworkers to witness my laughing fit. Because inevitably they'd ask, "Why? What are you laughing <laughs> yes. at?" He and says, "You'd have to think fast to make up some shit." <laughs> Do you realize how impossible it would be to explain what I was exactly. laughing at? Exactly. I don't think my corn-fed Midwestern female fashionista co-workers would enjoy the idea of a double-donged dick monster from Dimension X violating some girl through two separate sexual fetishes simultaneously. I don't know if they was Congratulations, gentlemen. You made me laugh so hard I nearly Jesus. lost my job. In any case, I wish you all a heartfelt congratulations on the continued success of your podcast. And I wanted to offer condolences to Dan on his accident. Knee injuries are a particularly nasty brand of awful, and I'm glad to hear you're on the mend. Your vaguely remembered That's friend and fan, Steve, a.k.a. James, last name withheld. Now, look. Well, Steve, those are some kind words for Dan. Yeah, thank you very much for listening again. and for... Listeners out there, if you ever want to get your letter read, you know the formula. <laughs> you know, it's just like how you're going to be on TV if you put up a sign that says, Sports Center is look, on next it was, at a sporting event. It was 90% the story, 10% my name. <laughs> But I also want to. I want you, your knee must be like a hundred years old now. We've been hearing about it for a long time. I want to object. This happened what? Like when we started this thing? <laughs> oh God! It's only been three and a half months since my <laughs> surgery. It takes a year, guys, a year to recover. But I wanted to object to a certain thing in this. What was that? Which was that the the idea that corn-fed Chicagoans. The the third most populous city in the United States. And in my opinion, one of the three world class cities in the U.S. For years, the second most populous uh, would be uh, somehow scandalized by the idea of this crane. <laughs> I don't know. I think I do think. It's- I'm anywhere outside of like I don't know Copenhagen. I'm from downstate <laughs> Illinois. That. I'm from downstate corn fed, real corn fed you, Illinois. We're fed and nothing I, but corn. I read this email on the podcast. And I was unscarred. So let, let's. These are not flyover states, people. These are these people have their own. Uh, I think what Dan's trying to say is these are lonely states. Yeah, they get to get up to a lot of craziness because there's no one else around. Mm-hmm. Dan has had sex with corn, had <laughs> sex with animals that eat corn. He's eaten corn while animals had sex with him. I've been ejaculated on by corn. I've been peed on by corn. Where do you think this double dick crane came from? <laughs> I'm gonna look at my phone for a little while, guys. <laughs> this is Stuart's time to leave. So, uh, this next email... Oh, there's more of these, huh? Uh, This next email is entitled Crangate. (laughs) Dear dear Floppers, what a great podcast. I don't have anything disparaging to say about any of you, unlike the other letter writers whom I regard as pathetic ingrates. Wow. Wow. Harsh. I love watching bad movies with groups of friends, but since I live in Japan, American friends with the same interests are few and far between. Hmm. Your podcast provides me (laughs) (laughs) with a much-needed surrogate to help stave off homesickness, and for this I thank you. My question is this. You all seem to have an excellent grasp of good screenwriting and storytelling elements in general. For a novice like me... What would you recommend reading as a primer on this sort of thing? I can intuitively understand why you would talk about set off and set up and payoff and establishing characters, but it would be interesting to learn more in book form. Adam, last name withheld. Hmm. So uh, I would say that um, there are a lot of screenwriting books out there. Most of them are terrible. And, and I don't know. I'm wondering if it, this is an academic interest or if because you want to write. Most of them, I feel like, are written in order to for people who want to write a screenplay. Yeah, I mean, of of the big ones, story by Robert McKee is better than like like say screenplay by Sid Field, but yeah, they're not. But there's also great. like the writer's journey is 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 pretty good. I would say that my I would say that my favorite book on uh, 
the topic is actually The Art of Dramatic Writing by Lajos Igri. Yes, that's the other one I was going to mention. The Art of Dramatic Writing is a very good book. Um, and that was actually focused on, you know, like on, on stage writing, but it is applicable to pretty much any kind of writing. I'd also recommend the website Cockeyed Caravan. Yeah, our uh, friend Matt Bird. Friend of the show, Matt Bird. Oh, yeah. Who it, which is a very good screenwriting site, and he specializes in a lot of ways in structure. So if you're interested in learning more about story structure, uh, that's one to check out. The website, Cockeyed Caravan. But the Art of Dramatic Writing is also good, and I think The Writer's Journey is also good. So uh, I hope for once we actually uh, paid it forward. You did it. We taught somebody something. But uh, this next one. We'll erase that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> the educational content will not exceed point oh 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 one percent of this podcast. No, it's like insect parts and peanut butter. <laughs> and now we'll move on to the next email, which says, "Hey, floppers, did somebody say Mister Payback?" <laughs> I had the I did a while ago. I had the ecstatic honor of attending the New York press screening of Mister Payback. Whoa. As well as its predecessor, I'm Your Man. Oh, I didn't know about that. These films were presented in the interfilm system, a process that ganged two Laserdisc players, note, not DVD, Laserdisc, to a control system that tracked audience clicks on the buttons of a control stick attached to the arm of each theater seat. Yeah, you chose the story. The controller only looked like a joystick. Aside from three buttons lit and color-coded to options presented on the screen, it had no directional functions. (laughs) There are actually a few unsettling. It was actually not based on a joystick, but on the old popcorn trick. <laughs> there are a few unsettling parallels between the Oogie Loves and Mr. Payback. Yes, Chris Lloyd appears in both. Similar. Chris, Chris Lloyd. <laughs> not Christopher Lloyd, That's as we know. Younger, cooler brother. <laughs> Similar to Oogie Loves, Payback encourages you to scream, shout, and otherwise carry on in order to convince other audience members to select the choice you favored at that point in the storyline. There is no explanation of what you should do if you didn't want any of the options. <laughs> and like Oogie Loves, Mr. Payback made you wish you could travel back in time to shoot Thomas Edison before he invented <laughs> the motion picture, just to be sure such atrocities could never be inflicted on innocent audiences. Shoot him with our Tesla cannon. <laughs> it was clear that after the not-successful I'm Your Man, a romantic comedy crime thing starring Kevin Seal, directed by interfilm inventor Bob Bejan with music by Joe Jackson, the people behind the interfilm system had worked to fix its flaws with Mr. Payback. This included removing a one-man, one-vote interlock. You could now click the button as many times as your itchy finger could handle. And more, more importantly, instead of a lame, light comedy adventure told through a branching story system, Mr. Payback told the episodic tale of a cyborg detective who was part Inspector Gadget, part Marquis de Sade, and the system allowed you to choose which punishments he would inflict on his victims. I've blocked most of the details from memory, but do remember that options at various points included cattle prod, eat monkey brains, and for me, the most memorable, make it legal, which meant that a non-disabled person who parked his car in a handicapped space got kneecapped. Now, come on. Again, knee injury. I will also mention that a lot of these different options are available on YouTube. There are a, I don't know if they're full everything in the, that was in the movie, but I have watched compilations on YouTube of Mr. Payback scenes, <laughs> and they are terrible. Uh, especially fun when you have an auditorium full of people screaming cattle prod or monkey brains at the top of their lungs over and over, because <laughs> mob mentality is always delightful, isn't it? There's also this quote from Roger Ebert. There were lots of small children in the audience. I thought about asking one little girl if she had voted for the paddle the rod or the cattle prod 
Mr. Payback was directed by Bob Gale, who previously wrote 1941 and Back to the Future. It was repulsive, tacky, sadistic, annoying, cheap, insulting, blurry, distasteful, lunk-headed, unfunny, cynical, and crass. But I don't know. Maybe you guys would like it. That's from Dan, last name with well, The blurry may have been the projectionist problem. Yeah. Wow, the press screening. Oh, yeah, he man. was there at the birth of a new era. <laughs> the birth and death. Remember how that changed movies forever? Forever. Oh, it was like the jazz singer. <laughs> Uh, everyone had to retool for their for their uh, choose your own yeah. adventure movies. It was like William Castle Castles the Tingler. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, so that is a that, that is, is an exciting m- magical postcard from the edge. <laughs> a magical recount of a magical night. <laughs> um, so this email is titled Tom Noonan. Okay, I'm in. I like it already. I'm hey, from big Tom, Tom, last name with L. Tom Noonan. <laughs> It starts, hey dudes. Sounds like Tom Noonan. <laughs> Just had a bit of a bone to pick with Elliot here. Mm. I, for one, sir, have zero problems with your nasally voice. Oh, thank what you. I do have a problem with is you're using Tom Noonan as an example of a man who could not get Kate Beckinsale. I'll have you know that I, for one, a solid 5.5 or 6 on a st- scale of cuteness, have a major crush on Tom Noonan. I would be damn lucky to have Tom Noonan. Sincerely, Sarah, last name withheld. P.S. My favorite flopper is Dan, so that plus-loving Tom Noonan on a physical level might make Elliot and Stuart question my taste in fellas. <laughs> you are correct to do so. Well, I mean, Tom Noonan was super buff in Manhunter, so, you know, that's... Yeah, man. He was like He's a tall. monster serial killer, too. <laughs> he was so. a monster. <laughs> you can see why he gets him dripping. And that big William Blake tattoo <laughs> that they covered up for the actual you movie. Like, um, you like him um, lanky? <laughs> Tom Noonan's hey, your man. I, everyone's got their type, and you know what? Everybody has someone who loves them, and I think that's mm-hmm. great. But Tom Noonan has no chance to get back in sale. But he would have been great in Total Recall. I would have loved it. So, yeah. but I'm glad. Thank you very like much for Dan writing. Dan and in. Tom Noonan, huh? Yeah, I'm. I'm a real Tom Noonan type. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, have, you have the casting yeah, agents you, are like, you have the, give me a Tom Noonan type. You have the Frankenstein-style stance of a Tom Noonan. You could have also played Philip Seymour Hoffman super stretched out with two walking stick canes, as he did in Synecdoche, New York. I carry the the creepy serial killer gravitas of a Tom Noonan. You also could be a guy who says he's working on a novel after work, but is in fact a, la- a loser and a failure. <sighs> you know, in that movie, What Happened Was, that he wrote? Yeah, sure. What? Never mind. Thank you, Sarah. It's a really good movie. Huh? So this uh, last letter of the evening is titled "An in- An Idea Whose Time Has Come." Mm. Greetings, Hyper floppers. <laughs> I don't know what they do yet. <laughs> Greetings, floppers. Listening to the classic "Head of the Family" be disparaged by a listener, who I assume thought he had tuned into a Prairie Home Companion. I feel the need to not to not simply defend <laughs> they do talk the about movie. Ding-dongs a lot. Prairie Home Companion. <laughs> I feel the need to not simply defend the movie, but pitch a remake. In that most cutting edge of formulas. This is Jacqueline, last name Lavelle. The radio play. Lavelle. Stay with me. Jacqueline Lavelle. He's, come on, guys. He's pitching ahead radio of the family show. radio play. Okay, yeah, radio play. I love it. Stay with me. I see Elliot as the convinced of his own genius, Myron. Done. Dan as the pervizoid wheeler. Stuart as the deep-voiced and horny Otis. <laughs> and the Flophouse house cat as the wordless but essential Ernestina. Elliot's lady love, Anne Hathaway, would, of course, play Loretta. Don't know if we can get her. And John Hodgman would fill the roles of Elliot's nemesis, Lance. I think I can say, without hyperbole, this would be single-handedly save radio, make Ms. Hathaway a star, and earn more cash than Delgo. 
You can have it for $750,000. Whoa, that is $50,000 too high. <laughs> or you can just let me play Howard. That's from Izzy, last name withheld. Thanks, Izzy. What I like is now this podcast has the same section that Wizard Magazine used to have <laughs> when they would cast superhero movies and Howie Long would always for some reason be cast in them. Um, yeah, Howie Long is a great actor, first <laughs> off. He's got the yeah. chops. I mean, we've all seen the commercials, guys. They for their their consistent ones were always Howie Long as Venom and Glenn Danzig as Wolverine and uh, RoboCop uh, Peter Weller Peter Peter Weller would be Vision from the <laughs> Avengers miss their chance there Joss Whedon uh, so yeah I think we could do that I, it's we might have trouble making Anne Hathaway more of a star than she is since she's won an Oscar and she's mm-hmm. a big star. But if anything, well, you do it, it's be... the head of the family radio. Yeah, play. guys, get on it. Let's kickstart this thing. It reminds me of a project I was talking about with someone at work today, which was the film reboot of Coach starring Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> Wait, what are so you So, the reboot the... stars? No, no, Craig T. Nelson plays Coach's father in the okay. reboot. Oh, of course. And you get like a young guy like Coach, coach the like, next generation. Like, like Chris Pine or somebody playing sure. Coach. And that opens you up for the major dad reboot. Yeah. Yeah, and then, then you get into money. <laughs> Well, yeah, because yeah, Coach part- is a lost leader for Major Dead. <laughs> yeah, Co- <laughs> Coach is just to get him in the door. Co- then Co- you hit him with the Major Dad. <laughs> so Coach and Major Dad all belong to the same universe, right? Oh yeah, of course, like the, the Coach universe. Yeah, because <laughs> you got to introduce the Coach characters in order for Major Dad to make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense otherwise. If you don't have the, if you don't have the backstory, we do four different sense. movies, each introducing a different character from Coach. Then they're all in the Major Dad movie. <laughs> And the Major Dad movie, usually it ends with Major Dad coming in. Yeah. It's a prequel to the Major Dad sequel, which is the real Major Dad film. So is he going to have the same guy as Major Dad? Wasn't he on uh, Justified a little while ago? See, in the first movie, he's just Dad. Yeah. And, and then he becomes the Major becomes Dad. Major, and you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, now This is the origin story of Major Dad. Yeah. So he joins the military, or he just... He, <laughs> he gets promoted to major. No, he's just more major. <laughs> he's just majorly a dad. He ceases to be minor. Yeah. He becomes a bigger guy. <laughs> it's a bigger Honey, I blew up the dad. That's the original title, Honey, I blew up the dad. And then, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Some guy, he begins like a Gelfling or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by the end, he's a Skeksy. <laughs> That's the life cycle? <laughs> Oh, it's man, a that's secret terrible. of the Dark Crystal. Like I would have said those guys who raised the Gelflings, but I don't remember their names. Mm. Oh, yeah. R- wrinkle faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forearm wrinkle faces. Yeah, I must have missed that. Uh, so this last segment of the podcast is where we quickly recommend a movie that we saw probably recently, maybe not, that we liked, unlike Red Dawn. Elliot, what do you have in store for us? I'm going to recommend a much better movie about a... An Invasion of a Domestic Home Front. I think I may have recommended it before, but I don't remember. But I'm going to recommend it again, which is the movie Went the Day Well, which is a British film from 1942 in which a group of suspicious-acting English soldiers have been billeted in a small coastal town. It soon turns out they're not what they seem, and the villagers have to take up arms to defend England. Uh, And it's a really fantastic suspense film. Uh, It especially is interesting historically because this is a movie that was made during the war. The war had, would still had a number of years, three years to go. And uh, they, but there's this sense of this is what, this might happen and England is ready for it. It's a really suspenseful film and really well made. Went the day well. I like it a lot. And I'm going to throw in a plug for a new film, which I think is playing 
might be playing festivals or might be playing at a theater near you eventually called Adjust Your Tracking, The Untold Story of the VHS Collector. And it is a documentary about guys who are obsessed with collecting VHS tapes, mainly horror tapes. Let's just cut the, let's just cut to the chase. These guys collect horror tapes on VHS. But uh, they've amassed huge collections and they're funny characters and there's a lot of funny moments in the documentary. Uh, and if it's playing near you, if you like this podcast, you may get a kick out of it. So Adjust Your Tracking and... Went the Day Well, which is available on DVD. I would like to recommend a movie that uh, does not need my endorsement, and I am fully aware of this, so do not make fun of me, AV Club commenters. And that's a, that's a little film called Casablanca, Ugh. which I rewatched uh, while on vacation uh, just recently. That's right. Dan went on vacation and then watched a movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it was you know one night. I, a a movie is a lot like a vacation I mean, like, in your normal life. It was life, the you fucking know? evening. <laughs> like, I was in my hotel room. I watched uh, Casablanca with my wife, who had never seen it. And I feel comfortable uh, recommending it because I feel like as uh, film history stretches out, that even the most acknowledged classics of the, the movie world uh, become less and less seen just yeah. because there are more movies. And Casablanca is a movie that deserves to be seen because, like Citizen Kane, it is a great movie that is not taking your medicine at all. It is completely entertaining. Um, it's a great romance. It also has war themes to tie it in with uh, Red Dawn. And it just feels like Warner Brothers opened up the floodgates of every great character actor it happened yeah, to have. An amazing cast. On, on the studio lot at that time and just like set them loose in a great movie. So watch Casablanca. It's it's fun. And I'm also going to recommend a movie about an invasion of a man's home. <laughs> I recently watched Shame starring Michael Fassbender who plays Wait, a, is that about invasion? <laughs> who plays a uh, a New York uh, like, you know, executive type who's also mm-hmm. a sex addict and Copes with his sister moving in with him. Oh, he lives a very controlled maybe lifestyle say that based around his weird sex addiction. He was invaded by having a lot of sex. <laughs> oh his, man, his and penis invades ever. a lot of people. Now you might think that I watched it to see a bunch of wiener flopping around. That wasn't really the reason. Uh, but there is a, a bunch of wiener flopping. But that's what around. you stayed for. <laughs> yeah, that's what kept me in the seat. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's kind of it's slow. It's well shot. There's. Uh, I don't know. It's good. Watch it. Well, it's rated X, I think. <laughs> sure. <laughs> if that if that no, makes it more yeah. enticing. Yeah, Dan. yeah. It's just like the devil in Miss Jones. Come on. I don't know. I was just trying to pull out an old X-rated film. Do you say the devil in Miss Jones? The devil and Miss Jones. Devil in Miss okay, Jones. Because the devil and Miss Jones. No, is I'm, not I'm, a I'm aware. That's a Gene Arthur. One movie. is a play on the other. Oh, they were plays just now first. Getting... They're both based on the same play, which was <laughs> the, called Sex Hell. The pornographic play. <laughs> Which I guess would just be a strip club. <laughs> you loved the live sex show. Now see the movie. Uh, of course, due to the production code, we had to take out most of the sex, change the story, but we think you're still going to like it. But wait till the 70s, because oh boy. <laughs> wait till the future. Because let me tell you, we're going to be making some crazy movies. Just sit in that seat, and we'll hyper fast forward, and you'll grow this really cool Rip Van Winkle beard. <laughs> you'll turn into skeletons. And then you'll get a boner. No, too far. Too oh far. no, we Zardoz. <laughs> All right. From the Tony award-winning producers of Behind the Green Door, the stage play. <laughs> All right, well. And Deep Throat on ABC, <laughs> the TV show. Uh, it's been fun being with you guys, but now we got to sign off. Uh, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. <laughs> and I've been Elliot Kalin. 
We talked about the movie a lot this time, right? Uh, well, we might have. I don't remember. It's already. I, think, I, think I already forgot it. the movie. Wolverines. <laughs> I know what I'm going to recommend. Unlike you, who just tells stories about what he saw on an airplane recently. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. I'm going to recommend a uh, drink cart. <laughs> I was on an airplane recently, and it was full of delicious did, alcohol. Did you know that you can get full bottles of uh, wine? Now they're small bottles. Now let me just tell you right now: the bottles are full, but they're not regular size bottles. <laughs> but that's great. It makes you feel like you're a giant of some kind. <laughs> of some kind. If you drink, big kind. If you drink seven of them. It's basically a normal size bottle. They won't give you seven, but you can take seven. <laughs> That's why I'm telling you, bring a gun on board the plane. <laughs> if you have a gun, they'll also take the plane to Cuba. If you want to go there.